Amen. So great to be with you this morning. Lord Jesus, I want to pray that as we, as we continue with the, the series that was started last week by Kelvin, Lord God, I want to pray that you would, you would open our hearts to new things. Lord Jesus, I pray that each and every person here would have an encounter with your love. Oh God, I'm asking for more than, than simply information. I'm asking for your anointing to come and touch us, to set us free, to make things new. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, welcome to everyone who's been here for a long time, who's here for the first time. Welcome to those outside. Welcome to those online. So great to be with you. We are continuing our REACH series, as I said. The love of Jesus is so radical that it is worth giving everything for. The love of Jesus, the radical love of Jesus is worth giving everything for. A love so radical that it will take eternity to understand it. A love so vast that we'll never get to the end of it. A love so beautiful that no painting, no poem, no song could ever do its justice. A love so good that it takes your breath away. A love so safe that you can trust it completely. How do we respond to the creator of the universe who gave up everything so that he could be your friend? How do we respond when he stands in the path of the destruction that we invented so that that destruction will not envelop you? How do we respond when he refuses to retaliate, when we malign, hate on him, berate him, speak ill of him? How do we respond to the creator of the universe who relentlessly pursues us with kindness even when we reject him? This kind of love, this kind of love slices at the bedrock of human culture, of modern human culture. It's like a hammer blow to the foundation of how we live because it says, it says, I will not self-preserve. I will humble myself. I will make myself vulnerable and I will be known by you. It refuses to self-preserve, and it invites us to do the same. When we stand in the face of God's love, of his radical love, we stand in the face of all-consuming purity that flows over us, and as it does, it burns away. Every evil thing, every bondage 
every brokenness, and it leaves in its wake everything good, joy, life, peace, satisfaction, significance, wholeness. This incredible love that can be ours. A radical love that will stop at nothing. A radical love that gave up everything to know you. A radical love. A love so radical that a perfect man was prepared to die for unrepentant sinners. A radical love that faced down hell to be with you. A love so perfect that in response, what can we do but surrender? In response, what can we do but yield? What can we do but say yes? What can we do in the face of such radical love except to offer our radical allegiance, our radical obedience? I've called this sermon today radical, just in case you weren't aware of where I was going. I'm just checking that the sound team have got it because my phone is not working so well. So I've called the sermon radical because it speaks of a radical love, a radical love. You know, the first time I encountered this radical love, I was at university struggling to get through the everyday pressures that my classmates put me on to be super fun and my work environment put on me to be super excellent, just struggling to to kind of work out how I'm supposed to live. And I met a woman called Sheila Foley. She stepped into my world relentlessly. She called me, I'm not sure if it was every day, but it was pretty close. I stayed in a, uh, an apartment just off campus and I mean, she would rock up at my door if I didn't make it to church. I mean, she, she was there on campus. I would find her in the hallways. I would find her everywhere. I mean, she came after me. And at first, I thought it was really affirming. Then after a little while, it felt a little irritating. And then after that, it felt quite thought-provoking. And after that, it was world-changing. Life changing. And I'm so grateful to her. I'm so grateful to her that she didn't listen to my objections. I'm so grateful that she pushed past my ridicule of Christians. I'm so grateful to her that it was more important that I knew Jesus than she was liked by me. I'm so grateful to her. I'm so grateful to her. Because you see, she had encountered this radical love of Christ. And in response, what could she do but tell the world of this radical love? How, 
How could she do anything else but love the things that this radical God lover of hers loved? You see, in response to God's radical love, she offered radical obedience. And here's the profound thing, is her radical obedience, her radical obedience reveals God's radical love to me. It's like this beautiful, self-perpetuating cycle. Radical love demands radical obedience, reveals radical love demands radical obedience, and the world is changed life upon life upon life upon life. Our radical obedience to God's word reveals God's radical love to the world. God's, God's radical love is what the world is asking for. I want to introduce you to three sages. Not sage the herb, maybe you've never heard of that, but sage the wise man. <laughs> Sorry, for those of you who don't know what happened, my husband just stood up as one of those wise sages. But I want to introduce you to three wise sages, three pillars, three pillars of God's wisdom that stand like guardians over all creation. Three giant edicts that were issued by God that, that were, are found in his word at the beginning, in the middle, at the end, that just stand as guardians to who you are as a human. They define our parameters. They establish what's true and right. They guard all of existence. Three giant, massive waves of wisdom. Yeah, are you interested in meeting them, by the way? They are the great cultural mandate, the great commandment, and the great commission. Genesis 1, from verse 27, God said this, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This giant pillar of the declaration of God that stands right at the beginning of the Bible that defines you. This is what it means to be human. It means that I carry the image of God. I'm, I'm filled with his presence. I carry it and I radiate it to the world. I put the world in its place. I bring all of creation into submission to the glory of God. I cause all things to submit, to feel, to know his radical love. This is what it means to be human. Can you feel it pulsing through your veins? The reasons we are dissatisfied with mediocrity is because of this. Because right at the beginning, God declared over your life, over future generations, past generations, every human that lived, you will carry my image and you will bring the creation into submission to my ways. This is who we are. This is who we are. It's not a small thing. It's a giant thing. 
It's a giant thing. Last week, Pastor Calvin, he spoke about social justice. This is our first giant sage. You see, we, we respond to God's radical love with radical obedience that brings about social justice in the world. Social justice simply is bringing everything into the order that God already originally designed. It means that we watch out for the vulnerable. We, we amplify the voices of those who cannot be heard. It means we love our husband and wife. It means we raise our children well. It means we care for the orphan. It means our workplaces create jobs for the disadvantaged. It means we study to show ourselves approved that we can govern well, that we can live well. Social justice beats at the heart of the Christian faith. The world must come into submission to God's radical love because it's the only way that pain will be vanquished. It's the only way that hearts will be healed. It's the only way that things will be right. To be human means to be filled with the spirit of the living God, carrying his image and doing social justice. Our radical obedience to God's word reveals God's radical love to the world. Our second great sage is found in Matthew, in Matthew 12. Jesus, sorry, Mark 12. Jesus is repeating. He's been, he's been asked, what are the greatest commandments of the Old Testament? All of those 613 commandments, which are the few that we should hang on to? Which are the ones we must, must do? And he answers the question and he says this, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these, the great commandment. Again, that defines our actions. That calls out what it means to be human. Is that we love God and we love our neighbor as ourselves. The second great obedience that we, we offer in response to the radical love that we have received from Christ is that of lifestyle witness. My loves, what I love, is revealed to the world by what I do. You will be able to see what I love when you look at my bank statement. You will notice that the vast majority of my money goes to my church, to my family, and to my friends. Why? Because that's what I love. You will be able to see what I love when you look at my diary. And you will see that the vast amount of my time goes to my God, my family, my church, my work. 
in that order. Because, because what you love will be shown by how you live. Picture with me, after church, you head to the local spa, you buy a bottle of Coke, you open it, and it smells like sewage. Happy day. My guess is you don't drink it. But you begin to ask this question, what has happened at the source of this bottle of Coke? What happened at the bottling plant? And you surmise that they hooked up the wrong pipe to the bottling machine. And until that problem is solved, you're never buying Coke again. That would be my guess. You see, our life reveals what our source is. And when the world opens the bottle of our lives in their everyday interactions with us, what will they smell? My hope, my hope is that they will smell Christ. Because our entire world is orientated towards loving God and loving others. And there's something that God has designed into the fabric of human society, and that is people will hunger after what is beautiful, what is whole, what is life-giving. And so when they open that bottle of Coke that is your life and the fragrance of Christ bursts into the air, they will follow. You know, I was so irritated with Sheila Foley. Honestly and truly, I didn't like her clothes. She was American. Her accent irritated me. She was like super conservative and I wasn't. She didn't go to parties. She didn't drink. She didn't have a boyfriend. I mean, she was everything I was aspiring not to be. But when I interacted with her, when I interacted with her, the life that came out could not be denied. When she handed me a cup of coffee, I felt her love. I saw the joy she experienced from telling me about what Jesus had done in her life. And the first five, ten times, I mocked that. But she didn't stop. Why? Because she knew there was something greater at stake. And my friends, her continuous, relentless joy said to me, I don't have that and I want that. You know, I even was prepared to dress conservative afterwards. You know, I, I was even prepared to give up my boyfriend. The funny thing is, Andrew was my boyfriend's best friend, just saying, just saying. But that's another story we'll talk about another time. (laughs) And he was Sheila's friend, and they were both evangelizing me. She was just a little bit less obvious. But... But the beauty of her life, despite the fact that it was strange and different from what I knew, couldn't be denied. 
Because I could see from the way she lived that she loved God with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that she loved her neighbor as herself. It, it was in my face 24-7. And something inside of me said, that's worth living for. You see, our radical obedience to God's word reveals God's radical love to the world. This is what it means to be human, to be filled with God's presence, responding to his radical love, doing social justice, and having a lifestyle witness that speaks of your love for God and for others. The third great sage that we need to look at is found in Matthew 28. And Jesus said to them, came and said to them, his disciples, as he was getting ready to leave the earth, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I have conquered. Go and tell everyone and I will be with you. My paraphrase. I have conquered, go tell everyone, and I will be with you. This third great pillar that defines us, directs us, hems us in, and brings life to us. Gospel proclamation. Because how will they know unless you tell them? How will they know that they don't have to live in the brokenness, the devastation, the vanity? The hopelessness in which they love. How will they know and let you tell them? We live in a world of the walking dead. We live in the world, in a world of the walking dead. I have never watched that series because those zombies so, so horrify me, so disgust me. I just can't watch it. I mean, when body parts fall off, I'm out of there. But my, my family watches and they tell me. So we are living. <laughs> we are living in the world of the walking dead. You know, the, the phrase, Christ defeated death, often is a little bit weird for us because everyone dies. And you're like, if Christ defeated death, why do we die? Have you, has, that, has that anomaly ever occurred to you? I'm sorry if it didn't because now it does. But here's the thing is that, you see, all of us without Christ are dead. We are living in the world of the walking dead. I want you to understand there is no hope. There is no possibility of success. There is no possibility of fulfillment, of significance outside of Christ. The life of God in humanity has been breathed out when we said we want to do it our way. We are living in a world of the walking dead. And they're walking around in that mummy fashion waiting for someone else to bite and infect with the death that they carry. And it's just death everywhere. You might wonder, 
Why is the world in such a state? It's because we're living in the world of the walking dead. But here's the beauty. Thank you, Will Smith. We have, we have the antidote. We have the antidote. We have the elixir of life that when given to a dead person brings them back to life. Why would we keep that solution, that medicine to ourselves, when the people around us, no matter how happy they look, are living in torment, anguish, and brokenness? No matter how we irritate them, no matter how much they reject us, don't stop administering the words of life. Jesus Christ died for you. Look what he did for me. He can do it for you too. These need to be the words on our mouths, in our conversations, everywhere. But they'll reject me. But they'll, they'll hate me. They won't want to talk to me. Oh my word, then you talk to them. Because we're living in the world of the walking dead and we have the solution. We have the solution. And there's an urgency. There's an urgency that must rest on every human being, every Christian, should I say, that we cannot stop until everyone in our environment knows the truth. We cannot rest until everyone in our environment knows the truth. This is what it means to be human to be filled with his presence, to do social justice, to love God and love people, and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. To proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. This is what it means to be human. In response to God's radical love, we offer radical obedience that reveals God's radical love to the world. Lord Jesus, I want to pray. And I want to ask, I want to ask the worship team to come up. You know, as I was preparing this word, I began thinking about my lifestyle and and the radical love of God is such that even if we even if we're only serving him mediocrely, he's still gonna be good to us. His rain shine, falls on, on every person. His sun shines on every person. And we can be deceived into thinking that everything's okay because we haven't fallen down a, a sinkhole in an earthquake. Because everything's just carrying on as normal. But we're living in a world that is looking for something new. He's looking for radical obedience. And I... I want to ask you right now, can we all stand? I, f I feel like God is, is, calling, is calling to your heart, to everyone here, and asking some questions of you. What are you doing in response to my radical love? Have you seen my radical love? Have you opened up your eyes to my radical love? And in response to what I did, that I stepped out, took off all my protective armor, I made my heart bare to you, and I said, 
to ask that self that question. What does radical obedience look like in my world? And what are the things that are in the world? And what if and what are the things that are standing in the way of life?
minister without hindrance in the kingdom. We have a number of them that work on our university campuses. We have a number that work in children's church. We have a number that, that are raising support and working amongst our youth. We have a number of them. Um, we have Marie who is um, working with our youth. We have Carmen and Paul that are working in Sunspray and in our um, in our children's church. We have Cornelius and Pila who are working on MSA campus. Just wave, I see them at the back there. So we, um, uh, have I missed on anyone, my friend? Tobeka, Tobeka, <laughs> our faithful, heading up our prayer ministry, working in our social media. Um, we are so, so grateful to these people who've just said yes to Jesus. And we wanna make sure we get behind them and, and make, make the lifestyle they live so attractive to the world that they say, wow, if God can do that for you, what could he do for me? So they will be at all our MPs. We, the ministry that they are part of, we call um, ministry partnership because you get to partner with them. They will be at a table along the driveway that is labeled ministry partnership. If you would like to know anything more about ministry partnership and you would like to give or partner particularly with one of them, you can go there, speak to them, get their details, work out how to do that. They will be able to tell you. If you wanna just give generally to ministry partnership and we'll divide it up as we see fit, you can simply give into our um, bank into our bank account there and we will divide it up. So you can you can give to Zunspray, to the nations, to ministry partnerships simply by labeling it with that reference and giving into that bank account that is there where you normally give your tithes and offerings. And then you can go. You can go to your neighbors. You can go to your um, to the nations. You can go to your friends because God is faithful. Amen. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you His peace. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a glorious day. Go live the life that He's given you.